faithful to work with them and to share your love with them. And we pray that your will would be done now in these moments. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's turn to 1 Samuel chapter 20. We're going to look at this chapter for a few moments today. Forever friends. Uh, here we have one of the great really accounts of a friendship that you find anywhere in the Bible, the friendship between David and Jonathan. And uh, what an unlikely friendship. Jonathan was really the heir to be the next king of Israel. His dad, Saul, was the king. And so thinking the way people would have thought, uh, Jonathan very easily could have seen David as a tremendous threat because God had picked out David to be the next king, not Jonathan. And yet Jonathan uh, had this great admiration for David and he had a submissive heart to the will of God. And when he found out that God had chosen David to be the next king, even though that meant loss for him from a worldly perspective, he was willing to submit to the will of God. What an example. He's one of these real unsung heroes in Scripture uh, who lived his life faithful to God. And a big part of that was this friendship that he had with David and his willingness to befriend him, to help him in spite of what would appear to have been something that would have driven them apart instead of brought them together. Now this chapter has 42 verses, so what we're going to do, we'll read a section and then we'll talk about it and what we can learn from it and then we'll move on through it in that way. In the first 17 verses, we see that friendship requires dedication or you could say commitment. And we see commitments that were made between these two friends. So in chapter 20, verse 1, it says, Then David fled from Naoth in Ramah and went and said to Jonathan, What have I done? What is my iniquity? And what is my sin before your father that he seeks my life? So Jonathan said to him, By no means you shall not die. Indeed, my father will do nothing either great or small without first telling me. And why should my father hide this thing from me? It is not so. Then David took an oath again and said, Your father certainly knows that I have found favor in your eyes. And he has said, Do not let Jonathan know this, lest he be grieved. But truly, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, there is but a step between me and death. So Jonathan said to David, whatever you yourself desire, I will do it for you. Friendship requires commitment, requires dedication. We're going to see through this chapter various commitments that these two make to one another. And it begins with a commitment or a dedication to being available. If you're going to be a friend to somebody, you have to be available to them. It's hard to, for a friendship to grow or for it to be strong if you're never available to the other person to talk, to listen, or to help them. And here we see a commitment 
in the verses we just read, to be available. The first of those ingredients in friendship is time for one another. That's true of almost any relationship, isn't it? David flees from Saul at Naoth, and he goes to his friend, Jonathan, who happens to be Saul's son. And Jonathan commits himself to being available to David, whatever David needs. As we just read in verse 4, he said to David, whatever you yourself desire, I will do it for you. He committed himself to David that he would be there for him. He knew David was afraid. Now, at this point, he didn't think that his dad really was going to kill David. David was saying to him, he wants to kill me. And Jonathan said, essentially, well, if he was going to do that, I'd know about it because he tells me everything before he does it. And that's not going to happen, he said. It's not going to be so that he's going to do something like that. David knew better that Saul really did want to do him in. But you can see that Jonathan, not wanting to think badly of his own dad, had not yet come to really embrace that, to accept that. But he knew that he wanted to be available to help David. And so he reassures him. Sometimes in a friendship, there just needs to be that time that you're willing to be there to listen to somebody and to reassure them that they're not alone and that somebody cares and you're going to be there for them no matter what they go through. And that's what we really see Jonathan doing here for David. And then in verses 5 through 8, we see a commitment, a dedication to kindness. It's interesting that it reads this way. Look at verse 5. And David said to Jonathan, Indeed, tomorrow is the new moon, and I should not fail to sit to eat with the king. But let me go, that I may hide in the field until the third day at evening. If your father misses me at all, Then say, David earnestly asked permission of me that he might run over to Bethlehem, his city, for there is a yearly sacrifice there for all the family. If he says thus, it is well, your servant will be safe. But if he is very angry, be sure that evil is determined by him. Therefore, you shall deal kindly with your servant, for you have brought your servant into a covenant of the Lord with you. Nevertheless, if there is iniquity in me, kill me yourself. For why should you bring me to your father? A second commitment that we see here, a commitment to kindness. He's asking of Jonathan to be kind to him. David tells Jonathan what he needs, and he asks Jonathan to show him kindness. And notice that David bases his request for kindness on the covenant of friendship they had already made, a blood covenant that they had made in previous, a previous chapter. They made with one another. In a friendship, there ought to be kindness. Uh, that seems pretty basic, but I know people who think There are people who are their friends, and they're really not their friends. This most basic thing is not there. There's no kindness. There's no mercy. And uh, if you think that somebody is your friend, and all they do is treat you shamefully, and uh, hurt you, and say terrible things to you, 
They're not really your friend. You may want them to be, but they're not. And so sometimes we have to look at things the way they really are. And here we have David saying to Jonathan, show me kindness, deal kindly with me. And friends ought to be able to expect that of one another, that we would treat one another with kindness. Uh, Not just friendships outside the church, but friendships inside the church too. Uh, That shouldn't have to be said of Christians, right? That we ought to be kind to one another. But doesn't the Bible say that over and over again? To be kind, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. It's important to remember that we need to be willing to be kind to others. And especially people that count us as their friend. We need to treat them kindly. And sometimes that means we have to overlook things. Not always think the worst of people. Not assume the worst. But respond to everything with kindness. And that should be reciprocated in a true friendship. And we see that here in the friendship between David and Jonathan. And then there's a commitment or a dedication to truthfulness in verses 9 through 11. But Jonathan said, Far be it from you. For if I knew certainly that evil was determined by my father to come upon you, then would I not tell you? Then David said to Jonathan, Who will tell me? Or what if your father answers you roughly? And Jonathan said to David, Come, let us go out into the field. So both of them went out into the field. Jonathan here commits to David, I'll tell you the truth. If my father is out to kill you, I won't withhold that truth from you. I'll tell you the truth. Friends ought to be willing to tell one another the truth. And sometimes the truth is hard to say. It will cause pain. Not necessarily the friend bringing the pain or being the source of pain, but sometimes a friend needs to be willing to say to their friend what they don't want to hear, to help them. And David wanted to hear the truth. And here Jonathan is committing to tell the truth. Now, this was a bizarre situation that they were in. But yet, Jonathan is committing to David, even if that meant saying something that his father was going to do that was terrible. He was willing to tell David the truth. In Proverbs 27, verses 5 and 6, it says, Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Don't always seek out in people that they tell you what you want to hear. Sometimes you need to be willing to hear what you don't want to hear. And you need to be open and courageous enough to surround yourself with people, not just people who won't tell you the truth. You don't need to be surrounded by people like that. You need people who will tell you the truth. Now, part of that is you have to be willing to hear the truth, don't you? 
Sometimes people are afraid to tell someone they really do care about the truth because of the way they know that the person's going to react. They've tried it before. And the reaction has been anger. And so they just, they just don't bother anymore because they don't, want to, they don't want to deal with that. So in a friendship, we have to be willing to both hear the truth, we should be open to that, and we need to be willing to tell the truth even if it's difficult to do so. And then in verses 12 to 17, we find a commitment, a dedication to loyalty. That's a word you don't hear much anymore. Loyalty. In fact, it's these days there are people that say it as if somehow that's a terrible thing. If somebody is loyal to another person or loyal to their church or loyal to whatever it is that you're talking about, it's like that's some kind of terrible thing. Uh, that used to be a prized character quality, loyalty. And I think biblically, it still is. Look at verses 12 to 17 here. The story continues. Then Jonathan said to David, The Lord God of Israel is witness. When I have sounded out my father sometime tomorrow... Or the third day, and indeed there is good toward David, and I do not send to you and tell you, may the Lord do so, uh, do so and much more to Jonathan. But if it pleases my father to do you evil, then I will report it to you and send you away, that you may go in safety. And the Lord be with you as he has been with my father. And you shall not only show me the kindness of the Lord while I still live, that I may not die. But you shall not cut off your kindness from my house forever. No, not when the Lord has cut off every one of the enemies of David from the face of the earth. So Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David, saying, Let the Lord require it at the hand of David's enemies. Now Jonathan again caused David to vow, because he loved him, for he loved him as he loved his own soul. Loyalty between these two friends. Jonathan is promising it that if, if he finds out that his dad, Saul, the king, was going to do evil against David, he's vowing he will tell him the truth so that David could find safety. He would be loyal to David even if that meant that he would have to go against his own father. Now you might say, well, why, why shouldn't he be loyal to his father? Well, he knew that God had chosen David. He was in a situation where to be loyal to his father in doing evil against David would be a dishonor to God, to be disloyal to God himself. And if we're put in that kind of a position, we have to choose to be loyal to the will of God. And that's what he was doing. And that meant loyal to his friend, David. And notice that he asks loyalty in return. And he's asking David to be loyal to his descendants. You see, I think Jonathan had figured out that if David was going to become the king, it was going to eventually mean the death of his father and probably his own death. And so he's asking David here to be loyal to his family, 
to his descendants, to help them, to take care of them. And as we're going to see later uh, in uh, 2 Samuel, he absolutely was loyal to the uh, survivors of Jonathan's family. And so loyalty is something that we ought to give to one another, to stand with each other through thick and thin, as the old timers used to say, no matter what may come. He's asking for unfailing kindness. The word kindness in verse 14 is the Hebrew word hesed, which is a word that is used in the Old Testament for God's kind of love, to show kindness, to show the love and mercy of God that God has shown to us. And he is asking that of David. And they made that commitment to one another. Proverbs 18.24 says, A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And these two friends were friends to each other like that. And of course, the ultimate friend who sticks closer than a brother, who never fails us, is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. He will never fail us. He will never throw us aside. We can always count on Him. And He should be able to count on us. And then in verses 18 to 34, friendship requires faithfulness, action. And we see actions that take place here. In verses 18 to 23, they watched out for each other. Let's read that section. Then Jonathan said to David, Tomorrow is the new moon, and you will be missed, because your seat will be empty. And when you have stayed three days, go down quickly and come to the place where you hid on the day of the deed, and remain by the stone Izel. Then I will shoot three arrows to the side, as though I shot at a target. And there I will send a lad, saying, Go find the arrows. If I expressly say to the lad, Look, the arrows are on this side of you. Get them and come. Then as the Lord lives, there is safety for you and no harm. But if I say thus to the young man, Look, the arrows are beyond you. Go your way, for the Lord has sent you away. And as for the matter which you and I have spoken of, indeed the Lord be between you and me forever. They would be forever friends. And so here Jonathan sets up a way to look out for David. To be able to give him a sign of whether Saul was going to try to kill him or not. And they set up the shooting of the arrows. And if he, was to, if he shot the arrows beyond and said, the arrows are beyond you to the boy, that was a sign to David, you need to go. You need to leave to find safety. And so he was looking out for his friend. Friends ought to look out for one another. They ought to watch out for, for each other and to help each other in the difficult pathway of life. And so to do that, you have to, you have to be interested in the person. You have to know what's going on. You have to take time to know what's happening in their life as much as they want to share with you. Be interested in people that you call friends so that you can watch out for them 
and be there for them and help them when they face the dangerous or the difficult times of life especially. And then in verses 24 to 32, friends ought to speak up for one another. That's an action that we need to take. Ought to speak up for one another. And that's what we find with Jonathan, with his own father. Look at verse 24. Then David hid in the field, and when the new moon had come, the king sat down to eat the feast. Now the king sat on his seat, as at other times, on a seat by the wall. And Jonathan arose, and Abner sat by Saul's side, but David's place was empty. Nevertheless, Saul did not say anything that day, for he thought, something has happened to him. He is unclean. Surely he is unclean. And it happened the next day, the second day of the month, that David's place was empty. And Saul said to Jonathan, his son, why has the son of Jesse not come to eat either yesterday or today? So Jonathan answered Saul, David earnestly asked permission of me to go to Bethlehem. And he said, please let me go for our family has a sacrifice in the city and my brother has commanded me to be there. And now if I have found favor in your eyes, please let me get away and see my brothers. Therefore, he has not come to the king's table. Then Saul's anger was aroused against Jonathan and he said to him, you son of a perverse, rebellious woman. Do I not know that you have chosen the son of Jesse to your own shame and to the shame of your mother's nakedness? For as long as the son of Jesse lives on the earth, you shall not be established, nor your kingdom. Now, therefore, send and bring him to me, for he shall surely die. Do you notice that Saul has such bitterness toward David that now he doesn't even call him by name? He doesn't even use David's name anymore. He calls him the son of Jesse. Such, such bitterness had built up. Such a, a jealousy and envy. And here we find Jonathan speaking up for David. Now, you may be looking at that and saying, I thought you talked about truthfulness a minute ago. That friends ought to be truthful. Isn't he lying? Didn't David ask him to lie? And isn't Jonathan lying to his father about where David was? Technically, yes, you're right. I'm not here to preach a sermon that it's okay to lie. But there are situations. uh, I would uh, uh, remind you of the people who hid the Jews from the Nazis. Uh, they had to sometimes say things that weren't true in order to save the lives of innocent people. And that's essentially what Jonathan is doing here with his father. And so I think we have to be careful about not straining at a gnat that we miss what is really the main point. Uh, The main point is God wanted David to be the king. And Jonathan is doing Whatever it took to help his friend, the anointed one of God, to become the king of Israel. And so you just have to let God lead you in situations where perhaps a person's life is in danger. You don't always have to tell everything you know. Sometimes you need to be very circumspect about, quote, telling the truth to people who mean evil against other people. In fact, wanting to kill other people. 
And that's the situation that you face here. Now, please don't go out of here and say the preacher said it's okay to lie. I'm not saying that. But this is a very unusual circumstance. And the main thing you see here is that Jonathan was speaking up for David. And friends need to speak up for one another. And be willing to tell the truth about the goodness in a person. And Saul, you know, had come to hate David. And Jonathan knew that that was so far off track. That that was not in any way the way he ought to think about David. We know in Psalm 31, or Proverbs 31.9 it says, Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and needy. David was somebody who was in need here. He was anointed to be the next king. But he was really in a hard place. He was in need of someone to help him. And God provided him a friend, Jonathan, to be there for him in the worst of times. And maybe God wants to, be, to use you to be somebody's friend in the worst time of their life to help them to deal with what they have to deal with. Verse 32, Jonathan answered Saul, his father, and said, Why should he be killed? What has he done? And then Saul cast a spear at him to kill him. Do you catch who that is? Who is him there? Not David this time. Jonathan. Saul throws a spear at his own son here. He's so consumed with hatred for David that when Jonathan speaks up in defense of David, Saul throws a spear at his own son. That's how far envy and jealousy can take a person. And so friendship requires faithfulness to watch out for one another and to speak up for one another and never did a friend speak up more directly than this friend what has he done why should he be killed and of course the answer was he hasn't done anything wrong he shouldn't be killed he truly cared for David and wanted God's will to be done so Jonathan arose verse 34 from the table in fierce anger, and ate no food the second day of the month, for he was grieved for David because his father had treated him shamefully. He grieved for what David was having to go through. And yet look what Jonathan was going through. He essentially was losing his own father. And you notice how his father used temptation to try to get Jonathan to join him in the evil against David he reminded him in the verses we just read you know this is your kingdom if David doesn't die you won't be king he tried to draw Jonathan in to the same plot to kill David by dangling the kingdom in front of him and Jonathan would have none of it because he loved David and he wanted the will of God to be done. And so friendship requires faithfulness, speaking up for one another. And then finally, in the last section, friendship requires endurance. He had to keep on being his friend 
to the very end for David to get where God wanted him to be. Look at verse 35. And so it was in the morning that Jonathan went out into the field at the time appointed with David. And a little lad was with him. Then he said to, the, to his lad, Now run, find the arrows which I shoot. As the lad ran, he shot an arrow beyond him. When the lad had come to the place where the arrow was, which Jonathan had shot, Jonathan cried out after the lad and said, Is not the arrow beyond you? And Jonathan cried out after the lad, Make haste, hurry, do not delay. So Jonathan's lad gathered up the arrows and came back to his master. But the lad did not know anything. Only Jonathan and David knew of the matter. Then Jonathan gave his weapons to his lad and said to him, Go carry them to the city. And as soon as the lad had gone, David arose from a place toward the south, fell on his face to the ground, and bowed down three times. And they kissed one another, and they wept together, but David more so. Then Jonathan said to David, Go in peace, since we have both sworn in the name of the Lord, saying, May the Lord be between you and me, and between your descendants and my descendants forever. So he arose and departed, and Jonathan went into the city. Friendship requires endurance. And so he follows through on what he promised. He warns David. What if he just let David hanging out? Uh, what if he just left him hanging out there in the field? What if he hadn't warned him? But he did warn him. He went out there. He shot the arrows. He called out as he said that he would. And David knew that he was in danger. Jonathan had accepted the truth about his father. And had done what he had promised to do. Keeping your promises is so important in any relationship. And particularly in a friendship. To do what you say you will do. So that. Trust is carried on. These two were forever friends. And uh, even after Jonathan was dead, along with Saul, that friendship carried on because David took care of Jonathan's family. And in 1 Thessalonians 4.17, it reminds us really that for the Christian, our friendships will go on forever. For the Christian, the friendship really does not end with other believers because it promises in 1 Thessalonians 4, 17 that when the Lord returns and we're caught up to be together with the Lord, it says, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. We will be with the, all of those who have gone before us. We tend to think of our family members and certainly that's true of them too. They're our friends too, right? Friends and family. But it's also saying the collective we, all believers. And so there may be some, some great Christian friends that have meant so much to you in your life and they've already gone on to be with the Lord. Those friendships endure. And you will see them again. Uh, because... The kind of friendship that God can build between two people. When the Lord is the Lord of friends, then that friendship is a forever friendship. 
So I hope that you will let the example of David and Jonathan encourage you and show you and me the same that we can be better friends, friends forever as we follow the will of God. Would you pray with me? We thank you, Lord, for what you've taught us from your word and for giving us this account of this great friendship. Lord, forgive us when we have failed to be the kind of friend we ought to be to those that you have placed in our way. And may we commit to you today, Lord, that we will be a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Help us, Lord, to care for people and be the kind of friend that Jonathan was to David and David in return. Lord, we thank you for your presence here and for your forgiveness. And that each day can be a new beginning as we come to you and commit ourselves to you. So in this time of invitation, we pray that you would lead us. And if there are commitments we need to make to you, then help us to be willing to follow you. And that your will would be done in our lives. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and